and welcome back to And the Beat Goes On, Dating After Divorce. This is your host, Jackie Trammell, and your other host, Dion McDonald. Hello. Hello. How Cheers. are you? Cheers. I'm doing well. Thank you. We are here again at my place of employment, um, Fat Cork. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say that very carefully because I've had so many people be like, wait, you work at Fat Cock? No, I do not. <laughs> I work at Fat Cork Champagne Company, and that's where we are tonight, enjoying well, some delicious bubbles. Please thank the powers that be at Fat Cork <laughs> for allowing us yet again to come and use their space and oh, wow. their bubbles, and um, this is yeah. just great. This I know. Is great. And I'm, I'm, I'm like back in the big city for the second time, and parking was less <laughs> stressful, so I feel like I'm becoming... A pro. Okay, good. I was a little worried inviting you a second time over here. I was like, oh, this didn't go well, once well I did for it her the last first time, time. It didn't go badly. Oh, no. It only took me two tries to find my car. Oh, okay. So I, it was fine. Right. It was fine. It was fine. We, fine. It was fine. It was fine. What did oh, we call that God. last time? Um, what? Reassigning, reassessing. Oh, yes. Okay, we talked about, yeah, that's right, how you tend to re- reassess situations. Reappraisal. Reappraisal, because you are such an overly optimistic person and you don't want to you don't want to delve into those negative feelings so everything becomes fine so tonight's parking was just fine for you it was fine it, actually tonight's parking was great i'm right out front this is perfect well thanks for dinner also oh, you're, welcome. you're welcome um i'm so excited about tonight but i'm just gonna like let you do your thing because i know you have stuff to we talk have about one, i know we have one thing that i thought was really fascinating that i wanted to share mm. i think it will surprise you oh, unless no. you've already no it's not a, it's know. not another country we're still <laughs> 76 countries, which I think is awesome. Yes, thank you for not quizzing me on another country. Well, I can't because there isn't one yet. It hasn't appeared yet. But, you know, I get my little news and tidbits that come to me throughout Mm -hmm. the the Mm -hmm. days in between. And I thought it was interesting. This blew my mind. Okay. So Wallet Hub published a list. I don't even know what that is. It's like a... Is that it? Is it common it's that a, I should it's know a about? Website Wallet Hub is like a, a money and oh, lifestyle okay. kind of how to manage your money sort of thing. Oh, that's why I don't know it. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have any money to manage, so I'm not really on there all the It'd time. It'd be a really great idea <laughs> to have. Right. But they published a list that considered um, all kinds of different factors. Three. Oh, excuse me. Thirty-six key indicators of dating friendliness and evaluated out of 186 cities in the in the country of America, the United States of America. <laughs> I can't talk today, which is hard when you're the, doing a podcast. The country of America. Here in America. <laughs> so 186 American cities gotcha. evaluated gotcha. and came up with, um, ranked them in order of best for dating to worst for dating. Oh, I'm going to guess we're near the bottom. <laughs> that is a terrible guess. We are, Seattle is the number one best city for dating, according to Wallet Hub, uh, which blows my mind. That not only shocks me, but it shocks our guests as well, because I looked over and saw his eyes, and we were both surprised. Because people by that. who aren't from here always talk about the Seattle freeze, well, right? And I don't believe that necessarily, but I do feel like it's kind of hard to meet people organically. Well, so what they look wow. at is okay. it considers the cost of living, which again I found interesting because I think our cost of living is so high that it makes dating somewhat prohibitive mm. because dating can be expensive, Unless right? You go for walks. They talk about like the average meal for two people throughout the country is mm. about ninety one dollars to take two for two people to go out to eat. 
With and drinks? If you, if, with drinks? I mean, that's what they're saying, the average throughout the okay. country, right? So Seattle having a much higher cost of living mm. than a lot of other cities on the list, I found that alone to be surprising. Right. But, so I'm going to go from bottom to top. I'm just going to do 10 of each. Oh, okay, good. So in the worst cities, yeah, I'm not reading 186 cities. <laughs> and then three hours There's later, our podcast. here we are. At <laughs> yeah, sorry, one. guest. You never got a chance to say anything. Okay, go on. Um, Warwick, Rhode Island is considered the worst city in America for dating. <laughs> oh my gosh. So listeners out there in Warwick, I want to hear from you. What's up with that? And then Glendale, California. That's now this so one makes sense random. to me. Brownsville, Texas, because it's right on the Mexican border. And it's kind of, I know some people that lived in Brownsville. It's not a, it's not a place where I would think I'm going to go meet me a man in Brownsville. Well, just for many, 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 many reasons, but okay. And no so then, Brownsville. following Brownsville, we've got Hialeah, Florida, Fort Smith, Arkansas, Shreveport, Louisiana, Winston Salem, North Carolina, Dover, Delaware, Columbia, Maryland, and Montgomery, Alabama, as our ten worst cities <laughs> to date. To date, in America. Oh my god! As of the end of November, okay. November twenty eighth, I think, is when the list came out. Wow, y'all. Best cities, Sorry. we already covered. Seattle, Washington, whoop, whoop. Number one. Number one. Huh. Number two, Madison, Wisconsin, followed by Denver, Colorado. Yep, whoop. San Francisco, California. Yes, all my places. And then Portland, Oregon, wow. Minneapolis, Minnesota, Austin, Texas, Honolulu, Hawaii at number eight, San Diego, and Atlanta round out. Atlanta. That list. You know what? I'm thinking, like, as I'm listening to all those top ten, my... First thought is all those places, most of those places are very outdoorsy places and have a lot of outdoor activities to enjoy. Um, so maybe, you know, it expands the options as far as dating goes. Because it doesn't say meeting people, right? It says dating. For dating. Okay. So it's not like the best places to meet people, which is what I thought at first. And I couldn't, I, the, the article I read wasn't really in depth. So it didn't tell mm. me, it said there were 36 Okay. Key indicators. Okay. Okay. I don't know what they all are, but I'm gathering. It had to do with like lifestyle and the availability of yeah. single okay. people and like the amount of single people. Right. Um, interesting. So, so I thought it was interesting. Tell me that website again because I think I'd like to look up that article. Wallethub.com. <laughs> Did that sound like I was doing an ad for them? Yes. Wallethub.com. Okay. Okay. Well, so, thanks, WalletHub. Thank yeah. you for making me feel really good about the city I, in which I chose to live I as a single it was person. really surprising because no, we totally. always hear about how hard it is to date in Seattle. It's hard to meet people. I think that's a different thing than maybe hard. Like when I think of dating, I'm like, okay, there are so many options of things to do here all year round. So maybe that's what that means. But no, I'm going to read the article. So thank you, Jackie. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm really just a conduit of bringing you closer to wallethub.com. <laughs> hey, wallethub, we're available for sponsorships if you're listening. Yes, please. We have our wallets could use more hub. <laughs> Is that a thing? No. Oh, okay. 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 So, so would you like yeah. to introduce our guest, Dan? Okay. So first of all, before I do that, I, I'm just going to talk about the fact that this topic today that Jackie and I are exploring we're both so excited about because mm -hmm. we have literally been talking about this for months about doing this topic but on we here. We needed the right guest. We need the right guest. And I had, here's the funny thing, and we'll talk about this later, but I have actually known our guest for a couple of years, but for some reason didn't occur to me, or I don't know, we'll, we'll talk about that too. 
but then when this all came together, it's like, oh my gosh, he's the perfect person. So we are calling him Chad today. Um, for just today. Just today. Normally we do not, but today his name is Chad. Um, and actually his son picked that out, which I think is super, super cute. And I love that. And Chad is here to talk with us today about the whole humongously complicated topic of ethical non-monogamy. What does it mean? What are the facets of it? What does it look like? So, so, so many things. I'm so excited you're here, Chad. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. We're so excited. And yeah, I just apologize in advance because I am so fascinated <laughs> by this. Like I have so many questions <laughs> and not like in an in anything other than like an anthropological, like I really right. want to understand right. this thing that's somewhat foreign to me. And we, I think we all have an idea and somewhat of what we think right? it is. Like, let's be honest. I think it's somewhat stigmatized. Well, and maybe I, not with us, but other people. Well, and I'll tell you one of the things that supports that. So as I was researching this topic and yeah. kind of reading up on it to be somewhat educated before I talked to you, I didn't want to come in looking like an idiot. Um, they talk about a lot of articles I read talk about ethical non-monogamy as being sort of a sexual minority in this, not in the same vein as the LGBTQ plus community, mm. but similarly to that. Does that resonate with you? Okay, hold on. But I, I do want to hear does, about that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I think one example of that that I've seen on dating apps is that some people on their apps say no Republicans, murderers, or E&M. So they're somehow grouping those three things together. And I don't know that there's a common thread among all three of those. Republicans, Republicans murderers, murderers, and E&M. Yes, no Let's college. just Let's take a yeah. minute. Like, those are two, well, that's one. I will say <laughs> one very, 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 very negative thing. Sure. Yeah. One thing that for some subset of the population could be considered negative. Yeah. And then ethical non-monogamy, which... It, it, it's just, it's, yeah. it, it, it definitely has a stigma. Okay, so okay. I need to know though, because so you guys have known each other for a couple of years. <laughs> How did you two meet? This is something that I you haven't told me. I you promised to tell me on the air. <laughs> I want to know. Um, well, so a couple of years ago, and you know this because we've been friends for a long time. Um, I was on a break. <laughs> we were on a break. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> um, from my on and off partner. Um, and I went back on the dating apps because, you know. What else do you do? What else do you do? And I came across Chad and we hit it off. And correct me if I'm wrong, Chad, but I don't think you said anything on your profile about ENM at that point. I, I think that's correct. I don't think I had anything on the profile and then. And to be fair, yeah. and just to be completely transparent, I think if you had at that point, I don't think I would have gone down that road. Right, yeah. So I'm glad you didn't, just because at that time, right? And so, yeah, it was funny because we went for a walk at Green Lake, and it was really fun, and we were getting along really well, and we realized quickly that we had our very conservative Christian background in common. Mm -hmm. And then Chad started kind of, telling me about the journey that he was on, which we'll talk more about. And I was fascinated by it and asking all the questions I'm sure back then. Um, and then I just, I really, I mean, just this is, I'm just going to full disclosure here. I was really interested by his kind of, I don't want to say casual attitude, but very um, laid back attitude towards sex and just kind of like, you know, this is, this is something that I'm into and it's not that big of a deal and blah blah and then 
I, I will never forget this. It was very interesting. No one's ever been this direct. We were like finishing our walk, and he was like, so, do you want to go sleep together now? Oh, <laughs> that is direct. <laughs> and I remember being so taken aback, and not because I didn't want to, but because I, I don't know why. It just, in that moment, I was really enjoying our conversation, and I just thought, this doesn't feel quite right in this moment. And so I was like, oh, well, I'm really flattered. Thank you. And maybe another time. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want it. I, mean, I hope I didn't offend you. No, not at all. Um, and no. then about, I don't know, a couple weeks later or something, um, it yeah. was on Christmas, on Christmas it Day. It was Christmas Day. It was Christmas Day. Yes. Yeah. I was coming back from a couple day trip to the peninsula and texted him and was like, so what are you doing tonight? Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was a really fun night. <laughs> Oh, very good. <laughs> and then he disappeared, and <laughs> I haven't really seen him since. <laughs> Until recently, we reconnected. Yes. So I don't know really what happened in those last two intervening years, but there you go. Well, well part, of, part of the reason I think I, either I disappeared, but I was actually going through a divorce at that time. Okay. Mm. And why I didn't have anything on my profile is, is I didn't necessarily know what I was doing either. Well, who does? Right. So <laughs> at that point. that's sort of an exp explanation for that. And I was figuring things out in terms yeah. of what I wanted to do dating wise then. I mean, totally. Everything's an evolution, right? So that's where I was at that moment in that right. evolution. Well, I just remember I we love connected. the honesty. No. I love the honesty about this is what I'm here for right now. And, and well, and it was great because we had done not in on, a manipulative no. or any other way. Just say, here's what's available. Yeah. And it was great, and we totally connected, and it was so fun, and we had a mm -hmm. great night, and we like, yeah. hung out, had dinner, like made dinner, watched a movie. It was yep. a really good night. And then we're like, okay, let's hang out again sometime, and then it just kind of didn't happen. Yeah. And it was, and, but I didn't feel ghosted. I didn't feel like there was any animosity. I just felt like it was what it was, and if I see him again, great, and if I don't, it's... And here we are. And then, yeah, and then I just like saw him again the other day on the apps, and I was like, well, I don't know if this is weird to swipe again but if he doesn't want to swipe that's fine and then we match so here we are we're that's just chatting again awesome okay so i have some questions and i'm gonna go just yeah. i want to wow. go to address dion's first question because i did look this up but i want to hear from you what exactly is ethical non-monogamy oh man i mean in terms of a definition um there's so many different ways to do it, but I think at its core, what it means is that you are honest about uh, seeing more than one person okay. at a time. Okay. Can I'm sorry. Can I back up just a teeny bit before we go? Because I did want to find out kind of how he... That was my yeah. next question. Right. We're getting into it, but I want to understand what it okay. is first. Okay. No, that makes sense. get into how what like okay. your background yeah, my, my, and yeah, how journey. we came to yeah well, your yeah. journey cuz it's yeah. an umbrella term right it Ethical is an umbrella term and yeah. it, i mean it could encompass so many different things and it does and it, it encompasses does. like just about anything you can think of in many ways like polyamory and right. swinging I, I, and yeah swinging and open, open marriages <laughs> and, and, yes right okay yeah and, and there's other terms too like consensual non-monogamy that's another one is or, that different cuz i feel like what i researched they were using them somewhat interchangeably they often use them interchangeably okay. um, there's also critical non-monogamy. Oh, critical. Yes. That sounds negative. So, Did not learn about that. <laughs> so that one is I think more it of sounds a, important. It, it, well, it's important. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. It, it, it comes in sort of response to people who are dissatisfied with the way uh, monogamous and non-monogamy is typically thought of or practiced. So it's more of like a reaction to, I don't like social norms the way they're done. I think there's my own way that I want to do it or I have my own ideas about how it should be done. 
Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning. So one of the things that you mentioned earlier, Dion, was mm. you said that you both, when you were talking mm -hmm. on that first walking date, you, you recognized that you both came from really um, sort of conservative religious backgrounds. That's right. So let's go back to church. Talk to me about that. Start from the very yeah. Beginning. So, I mean, I, that's very critical, I think, for my, my journey is how much my religious upbringing shaped me. So I was raised Mormon. Uh, <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. I think that's just, <laughs> I mean, that alone, I'm just like, whoo, mind blown. Yeah. I think that's fascinating. Yes, go on. And I even have uh, many ancestors who were uh, polyamorous or polygamists. Well, polygamists. Polygamists, yeah. So it was a one-way street there. Yeah, I don't know that they would consider themselves. Well, yeah, yeah, that had yeah. to be marriage, right, back then. It did have to be and marriage, And it was correct. only the man only who the men, got yes. all the wives. That's right. And it wasn't the other way around. That's right. Sadly. Yeah. Uh, so I was raised Mormon, and um, in terms of the journey, so I was married. I've actually been married twice. Okay. And my second Cheers marriage. Cheers to that, buddy. Yes. <laughs> this bump. <laughs> yeah. And Here's hoping I make that step no. to marriage <laughs> milestone. Okay, but just like, I would like to keep it at two. So yeah, in, in my second marriage, uh, the way I would say it sort of started, I mean, there's a confluence of events, but um, my wife at the time, one thing we sort of enjoyed talking about in the bedroom was who we found attractive. Okay. And so it was just sort of a, a simple conversation, and it was kind of, it would add a spark to mm -hmm. our sex life. And I would say our sex life was pretty good. I mean, like any married couple, sort of waxes and wanes, but this right. was just sort of something that we enjoyed talking yeah. about. And that conversation sort of evolved in, it's like, okay, well, would you ever, how would you think if I slept with somebody else? And again, coming from oh, wow. a very, you know, Mormon yeah. background, both of us were raised Mormon, and neither of us had slept with anybody outside of our own marriage. <sighs> So right. this wow. was your first marriage. This was my second marriage. Se but like, second marriage. I, oh, second person I'd. So your second person had slept. Okay. The only person I'd. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, I'd only slept with women I'd married. In fact, right. I have a joke because <laughs> I was socially inept too as a teenager. So at one point. Who wasn't? <laughs> yeah. At one point, I had uh, kissed four women Aww. and married two of them. No. Wow. Oh. 50% marriage. Right. Wow. Exactly. So That's bad wow. Right good there. Stuff. Yes. That's yes. a really good average. Yeah. 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 So we were both, and my, my now ex at the time, she'd never slept with anybody. So, wow. so we're so having- So you were her first and only. I was at the I mean, time, yes. was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so we would have these conversations about who we found attractive. Yeah. And I, I said, well, would you ever consider me sleeping with somebody else? She's like, oh no, I, I don't think I could ever do that. Right. And there was a point in our marriage too where uh, her desire for sex was a lot higher than mine. And there's other factors that sort of went into that. We went through some fertility struggles and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but that was where we were at that moment. Mm -hmm. And so then I said, okay, what if I were to give you as much sex as you wanted wow. for three months? Would you then consider <laughs> allowing me to sleep with somebody else, right? So this is a very basic conversation. But so I did that. And, and what I thought was really interesting was her response was not an immediate no. It was, let me think about it. Okay. Oh, okay. And that let me think about it and know, and was enough to actually, she then saw the passion that happened between the two of us. She could feel that same spark of like, whoa, what is this? But hold on. I'm yeah. sorry. I just need to understand this. So you didn't have as high of a sex drive as she did, but you wanted to sleep with other people. Yeah. So, and I think that's related to the dynamics within the marriage. Okay. Too. And okay. I, I, I think that's a really important point because 
in terms of, and I think any couple that's sort of gone through fertility struggles, mm. you know, when you've got to sort of hit a deadline, right. it really takes the, you know, the, the, the spark, fun, the, the fun. spontaneous. Well, it becomes clinical. Nature, right. It, yeah, it, becomes it completely clinical. Right. becomes clinical. It does. Okay. And then you lose that <coughs> the, what, spontaneity. Yes. The, the, yeah. It's the not because, factor. it's not right. because, because I went through this and it's, it's not, you're not doing it because there's this moment of attraction or connection, but right. it's more this moment of a thermometer told you it's right. time to do oh, it. Oh, right. come on, we gotta do it right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. So okay. we had a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Okay. And I think okay. in general, our relationship was also struggling in terms of dynamics uh, in that, you know, uh, and, and I found this out later in terms of, or I understand myself much better now in retrospect. Right. And uh, what I now understand is that in terms of that relationship, our dynamic was one where she was really somebody who, she was raised in a very strict Mormon household, full of shame. There's a lot of anger. Oh. And so in terms of how she managed her own internal shame, it was about control. And okay. so again, that's right. just you know, uh, how, how she was sort of wired. My nature was one of more of like codependent. And so I was very supportive and wanting to sort of please her, but that then put me in a position where I was not really speaking up for what I wanted. I was more avoidant. Mm. And so again, that dynamic was one where it sort of both of us were, were sort of reinforcing the other's behavior. So it wasn't super healthy. Wasn't super healthy. Okay. But you know, we were also younger too. I mean, of course. Yeah. You were growing and right. figuring yourselves out. Right. So at some point, you've had this conversation and you're like, okay, you've kind of negotiated. And that mm -hmm. was one of the things that I was, cause yeah. I, 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 could <laughs> I, have I know, spent I days know, online. Like, okay, what about this? And what I know. About that? But it's um, like a rabbit hole, of but you do kind of have to like, how do you broach the conversation? So I, mm -hmm. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so obviously at some point mm -hmm. that maybe became an okay. It did. Yes. Okay. So she thought about it. She thought about it. And then what was the tipping point for her? Um, I don't, it's hard for me to say what the tipping point was, but okay. she was on board with it. And okay. I think, you know, again, the there's the, the other thing that I think is, you know, part of the journey that is really interesting is that one of the first steps then is like, okay, how, do, how are you going to execute this? Like, how are you going to find somebody? So it's yeah. go on a dating app. Okay. Right. And so this was another thing that was really interesting was that, okay, I'm on the dating app and then I'm, I'm showing her. Like what the app profiles Weird. were, and you were not swiping. living in. Were you living in Utah at the time? No, we were in Seattle. In Seattle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so this is oh, yes. okay. This is after you moved here. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Because um, I'm thinking in in some of the more conservative parts of Utah, <laughs> that would be harder to navigate. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So yeah. when you would reach out to people, were you upfront and transparent and like? Absolutely, I was. Okay. So uh, then, and again the. A, sort of an evolution, but what we understood ourselves to be doing was we opened up our marriage. So that was the term we used. Okay. Because there was no intent for me to go find somebody and then have like a you know a, a secondary relationship that was okay. So you weren't like it was going like to be quick flings. Wasn't like right. polyamory. That was the or, yeah. right. Okay. Right. That was the intention. So <clears throat> my follow up question to that is at the at that time at the beginning of when you started opening up your marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, so far we've been talking about just you going out and looking for someone else. Mm -hmm. Did you have conversations at that time about her also doing yeah. the same thing? Oh, I, I absolutely wanted her to well, do that. Well, you probably want, yeah. I it did. It would feel better for you if it wasn't it, just you it, going out. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And and there were experiences that I sort of wanted for myself oh. that I also very much wanted for her. Right. Especially yeah. since she had so little experience. Yes, yes. That would probably be valuable. Right. And your idea was if we open up our marriage and go out and find this spark with other people, mm -hmm. then 
that will bring it back to our marriage That's and right. make our marriage better. That was totally my intent. And, okay. and that is how I did practice that as well, mm-hmm. is that I would go out with, and meet other people. And again, the other fun thing too, or, or, or in terms of understanding where I was coming from, as a socially inept teenager, I'd done very little dating. And in terms of my Mormon experience, what I had sort of the way women were presented to me, and I don't think this is necessarily true within the entire Mormon religion, but it's not uncommon. Women, I saw them as either a potential eternal companion <laughs> or a potential temptation. Oh. And there's very little in between. Right? Yeah. And so you so, had your eternal companion. And so can, can yes. we just, for, to clarify for the <laughs> yeah. listeners, because you shared this with me when I first got here and we were chatting, mm-hmm. you weren't just a practicing Mormon. You were on the path toward Mormon <laughs> I, leadership, yes? It was, but at that time, I, I and uh, when we actually practiced or opened up our uh, relationship, I was, we were, I was not in a leadership role within the okay. Mormon church. Okay. And nice. so had you sort of moved on from that path at that point? Sort of, at that, when we opened things up, we were still active Mormons. Oh, okay. you were? Yes, we were. Wow. Yes. That, and that's another whole road to go down. That is. I, I just, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> um, okay. So continue on. So now you're, you're both on the apps? Or well, yeah. Just so I you think, are? so I, I was on the apps first. And then part of the experience was then showing her people that I matched with on the apps and the conversations. Wow. Because it was similar to those early conversations that you were saying where (laughs) you were like, oh, I find this person attractive. I find that person attractive. Was there ever any point in that early sort of opening where the idea was to introduce someone else into your relationship physically? Like to invite a third in. Like a third? Okay. (laughs) Well, so (laughs) as things may happen, the first person that I uh, ended up meeting, um, uh, she was actually you know, just north of here. I met her, uh, we had an immediate connection, and it, because of sort of my transparency, I was sharing everything with my, my now ex-wife. Um, at one point, I was hanging out with this other woman, and I said, I think you'd really like uh, get along with, with my wife. <laughs> and so I then text my now ex and say, hey, would you like to meet this woman? And she said, yeah, sure. So, oh, wow. wow. (laughs) So completely spontaneous. Okay. We then both went back to our house and they met. And the first sexual experience we had ended up being a threesome. Oh, oh my. And was that your first ever threesome? Wait, so you went went from being completely married, just just Mm -hmm. monogamous Mm -hmm. to a threesome. To a threesome. And then that's how it began. That's right. Wow. Okay. So did it continue as a threesome or did it? A thruple? A thruple. No, well, no, no yeah. that's not, yeah. that's different. That's I, like an actual. <laughs> so, no, it did not. And there was no intention okay. uh, uh, for that in the first place. And especially with this woman, too. Like, she knew this was a temporary thing. She was sort of in a, wow. a, a transient place. So, again, very, everybody was on the same page. It was totally clear. But in terms of new experiences for me and my then wife. Wow. Totally new, mind-blowing kind of a thing. And did that... <laughs> I'm imagining that there was like some lasting effect from that just between the two of you, you and your wife, like that, the spark and the excitement from that, I would imagine carried over for a while. Oh, absolutely. So there's, there's, uh, there's a thing within the E&M world called reclamation sex, 
which is like if one yeah. partner goes out and yeah. sleeps with somebody else, they come back and then there's sort of like this reclamation. They like get to reclaim. reclaim. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there were there energy. was that. Mm-hmm. Were there any negative repercussions from that? Yeah, there, there were absolutely because this is totally a learning curve too. Right. right? So I, I go from having very little dating experience to them being a 40-something-year-old on a dating app as a married man. And I'm learning the dating apps <laughs> in that context. Yeah. Totally. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. You know? And so, yes. There were, and, and, and I would say through the entire experience, there were absolutely missteps. There were things learning. There were mistakes. All of that kind of thing. I mean, one thing, if you are going to go down this road in any way, shape, or form, assume you're going to make mistakes because you don't know what you're doing. Right. Especially if you're in a couple, I would imagine. Yeah. Like, yeah. and you're trying to navigate that for yourself and mm-hmm. also for your partner. Well, and that's one of the, the questions that I have on a more general sense. And, you know, I'm not asking you to speak for the entire ENM community, <laughs> but you have more understanding of it than I do. So one of the things that I was curious about is, do most people enter that, that world coming from a monogamous relationship and opening it up like yours did? Or do you walk into it going, okay, I'm a person who likes to have lots of partners. I'm willing to get married as long as I can continue to have lots of partners. Does that make sense? I think it does. I mean, I can really only speak to my own experience. I mean, what I've, I think most people, and again, this probably is reflective of my age more than anything, people of all, everybody has a relationship history, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So whatever history they have, they're sort of bringing that to E&M. And, and that can be that can be a reason why they choose ENM is because of things they didn't like about monogamous relationships or things they experience in their relationships that they would like to okay. to be different. So people come to either ENM from a monogamous relationship or they will enter into a committed relationship coming from Already being a part of the ENM community, all of the above, okay. or all they the come above. in from a solo poly yes. standpoint, right? Where they don't really want to have a primary partner; they just want to come in and have relationships with all different people, right? Absolutely. So there's that too. Yes, which is how the which is the the sort of term that I would apply to myself at this point. Okay. Solo poly. Solo poly. Interesting. Okay, so can we go back now to your marriage? So things are going presumably well. Yes. Yes and no. Yes. (laughs) What is the breaking point? I mean, because you're not married now. Mm -hmm. So walk us through that. um, So, yeah, there's a lot there. um, uh, Trying to sort of simplify that. What I would say is ultimately, my now ex had uh, some great experiences with non-monogamy. It was also very difficult for her. Okay. Uh, and she didn't want to, to stay in an open relationship. And uh, so we closed things down and we went back to sort of monogamy. Um, but the thing that was, I think, compelling to me as well as sort of confusing was our relationship got to a point where it was better than it ever had been by being open, where I experienced what I felt and what she felt as the closest thing to partnership we'd ever had. Wow. Yeah. And the way I understand that now is I I sort of uh, mentioned the dynamic that we'd had Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, she had a lot of shame. She was very controlling in terms of, you know, uh, needing things to be a certain way. I was sort of not 
vocalizing what I needed within the relationship. I was allowing my boundaries to sort of be crossed in various ways, uh, not necessarily with the E&M thing. But uh, that, what E&M did for us, what opening up our marriage did was it gave us a, a type of autonomy that brought more balance to our relationship that I think in a way was much more healthy. Okay. I want to go back to one thing you said a minute ago where you said you consider yourself now to be solo poly. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying this in any way to be judgmental or whatever, <laughs> but um, I feel like that's kind of like, how is that different than playing the field, so to speak? <laughs> is it because it's more relationship-based and less one-night stands? Or yeah. is it, like, help me understand that. Well, so again, people can do solo poly however they want to do that. So if if somebody, for them, it means one night stands and just not being in any kind of relationship, it can be that. Um, if somebody wants to do that and have a deep connection with somebody but not necessarily have an ongoing relationship, it can be that. There's really not a right or a wrong way to do it. And I feel like you and I talked a little bit about this outside the podcast. Mm -hmm. And if, from what I understand, it sounds like you are open to, at some point, having a monogamous relationship mm -hmm. if it's yeah. the right person. Right, yes. But in the meantime, you're not closing the doors to seeing what's out there. That's right. And, and the reason I say that is that the thing that I experienced within my open relationship was the closest thing to partnership that I ever uh, had known, right? On top of that, I also can't say that I had a super healthy monogamous relationship right. there. So part of my experience, too, with non-monogamy or be it monogamy, is I don't necessarily know what's going to work for me because I think that has so much to do with the other person. Sure. No, that totally makes sense. Oh. I mean, th is that... No, it's interesting. Yeah, I just... I in, in what I had read, I hadn't come across that term, and I was like, well, solo poly, that mm. sounds to me like... It I does. I just want to kind of play the field, and, mm -hmm. and, and I don't mean that in any no. with any judgment because who among us hasn't done that? But, but you're just saying, I'm what's just, the difference? I'm like, yeah. yeah. How does that differ? At what point do you cross yeah. over from, I'm just a single person out kind of playing the field to, I'm actually part of an E&M lifestyle, or is there a distinction? It's just a gray area. I think it comes down to communication. Yeah, I think definitely. it comes down to when you meet someone being very open with, you know, I, I don't know what I'm looking for. So like if you are dead set on monogamy, I don't know if I'm your, I'm your person. Here's where I am right now. Like that's where I okay. think the difference is. So like a single person who is like, quote unquote, playing the field might not be honest and upfront about with the people that they're involved with, that there are other people in the picture, yes. whereas right. in your circumstance, you're very upfront and honest. Okay. Yes. And that it is helps your, me understand the difference. It it's, is on your profile now. It is. It's on my profile. <laughs> and by the way, OKCupid gives you the option of saying open to either monogamy or non-monogamy. Oh, really? They do. Yes. Interesting. Hmm. Huh. No, that's... Okay. So, again, and, and I love that question because I can't... Like, I did come across that term and I remember I'd seen solo poly on your profile and I wasn't sure what it was either so I kind of did a deep dive into that and so I understand it a lot better now but I think it does come down to communication around it like being very open to your partners like hey I, I this is where I am and that seems I may to be have the multiple partners when <laughs> I read the different definitions that I read it all came yeah. down to being 
the ethical, I mean, people can be non-monogamous right. and be cheating, right? <laughs> right? Or you can be ethically non-monogamous, and it all comes down to transparency and communication. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. That's what I think. Okay. Okay. So back to the marriage. So how did it break down? <laughs> no. Back no, I'm. Down. I no, back <laughs> to the marriage. <laughs> no. Back to our regular schedule yeah. program. No, I'm just. I'm curious, like how you came to be where you are now. Yeah. Because it sounds like it was a good thing. It was a positive. It was. It was a very good thing, and I think my. <coughs> I, I've even heard my ex say that, that it served a very valuable purpose for her as well in terms of you know uh, experiencing things outside of her Mormon upbringing mm. right um, but ultimately it didn't serve her or, or, and that was her choice now in terms of why our marriage ended I don't know I, I think the the open relationship definitely contributed to it okay but uh, the way that I understand it now is that we didn't have the same values and not just about the open relationship I think in terms of what her priorities were and what she cared about were not the same things that I cared about. And I would attribute the open marriage to helping actually accelerating us towards our divorce because it helped clarify those things in other ways. That makes so much sense. So one of the things that I find really fascinating is that you said your marriage was the best that it was when you were open yes, and that you felt like you were truly partners. So I can understand how if that was where you were feeling and then she was like, I kind of need to close it back down. Mm -hmm. Obviously you're in different places. Mm -hmm. So you get divorced, but then you got married again. No, well, no, 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 no. That was, that that was, was the second. second. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he is. I was like, yeah. wait a minute. There's like a whole <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So okay. that was the second marriage. Yeah, my first marriage was more like a starter marriage. It was only two and a half years, and it was in grad school. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. And that was more traditional, probably. Much more so, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Okay. Um, is she still, is your ex still in an, like, is she also solo poly or poly? I don't think she would describe herself as such. Okay. I, to be honest, I don't really know, but okay. uh, she could be, for all I know. But... Godspeed. Yeah. Yes. Um. <laughs> you know, it's, it, one of the things that I found really fascinating in all of this was mm. um, they said that f one of the articles I read said four to five percent of people sort of dating age in America identify as being ENM. But then they say four that up to, to five, four to five. But then they said up to 20 percent have been at some mm -hmm. point so maybe it's four to five hmm. oh, sort okay. of actively right now right. but other pe people have kind of come and gone off of that scale does that resonate with you because I was trying to figure out like when I used to do dating apps I would see it more frequently than I expected mm -hmm. and so 20% seems low to me honestly hmm. well and I actually read an article they there was a survey done in in 2020 um, and what they're finding is that younger people are more open to huh, more open to open relationships, um, more open yeah. to the idea of non-monogamy. And so the survey I read was that 43% of millennials said that their ideal relationship would be non-monogamous hmm. as opposed to 30% of Gen Xers, who's hmm. our demographic, basically. And so that's a different stat, but in, and not and saying that they're in it. Different but, studies right, and different. But that they're more open to it. So I just think it's really interesting because I would have I would have guessed that number was higher than twenty percent just mm. based on what I've seen. Mm -hmm. Although when I think about people I know within like my sphere, yeah. I wouldn't say that there are twenty percent of them. But also that's not my lifestyle, and I think in you know I, I, have I you feel like you spend time. Around, I don't know people well, who are similar. Have you known 
or been involved with someone? I've never been involved with someone, but I I did a gal I used to work with, and her husband had a very open. I, I think I would describe it not knowing very well the technical terms, but I would describe it as polyamorous relationship because they, they were each other's primary relationship, but they both okay. had external relationships. So he had multiple girlfriends. She had at least one boyfriend and they all knew each other and they were all sort of part of this same community. And that's typically considered polyamory. Am I right? Yeah. There's a specific term for that called kitchen table poly. <laughs> I love that. I saw yeah. that, and yeah. I did not I know did what not that know meant. That. Like, what? Tell me more. So yeah, kitchen poly. Basically, the idea is that you would all sit around the dinner table and talk with each other, and, and that's what that they did. Yeah. They'd go on group dates. Okay, okay, okay. So, so that brings me to my biggest question, and I know that like Chad and I talked about this yesterday, and I really, really want to talk about this because, okay, I can totally see the appeal of. Um, Solo poly. Like, I can totally see the appeal be- where I am right now in my life. Like, I don't really necessarily need a primary relationship, but I can see myself, like, having different relationships with different people as long as the feelings didn't get too strong. But what I can't wrap my head around, and maybe this is just me and my Cancerian, like, attributes, my highly sensitive, I don't know, but it's so hard for me to wrap my head around being in actual relationships, like caring, having feelings for different people. Because A, exhausting as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but B, like the jealousies. Okay. So, do you do you know well, what I'm saying? So, and it's like, funny because I, I agree with you from a right. from a my personal um, experiences. Yeah. I would I would have a hard time I, with I, it. But also, what I read, I read an article that did the pros and cons, and you hit on two of the big cons, yes. which are. Um, sort of not the demand, right? The demand emotionally <laughs> yes, and it's exhausting. the emotional intensity of one relationship can sometimes be exhausting and you add multiple yes. relationships to yes. that and now you're multiplying yes. that out. But also jealousy. And yes. I think that's where I have the hardest time because I'm, I'm a competitive person. And if <laughs> I knew that I was in a relationship with someone and that person yes. was in a relationship with someone yes. else, I would constantly be comparing myself to that other person and wondering. Yes. So I think it takes a real sense no, of so that's, security to that's be able what to I navigate this. Yeah. So you and I had a little conversation yesterday, mm-hmm. but like, talk to us about both of those factors. Yeah. Because um, having sex with someone without feelings, like, and we talked about this yesterday, mm-hmm. like, that's that's a that's one thing. But having feelings, mm-hmm. you catch feelings. If you catch yeah. feelings, you're fucked, literally and figuratively. Uh. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, I, mean, I don't know I'm where sure. to start with this, but um, <laughs> I guess I would take a step back and, and, and say, you know, most people are approaching relationships from a standpoint of how can I get my needs met? And mm-hmm. oftentimes, okay. I mean, yeah, oftentimes, uh, one of my favorite lines is from a Father John Misty song called Holy Shit, and it says, maybe love is just an economy based on resource scarcity. Wait, and what? Maybe love is just an economy based on resource scarcity. Yeah, like love is a commodity, yeah, in a sense. Right. Okay. Huh. And we're, we're all looking to get the love. We want to be loved the way we want to be loved. Well, yeah. And we're looking for that in a relationship. And so oftentimes we're coming at that from a scarcity mentality, particularly, I think, in monogamy, in the sense that I only have one option where I can get these needs met. I need this from this person. It puts a lot of pressure on them. I mean, people have said this about that's one key difference between monogamy and non-monogamy is you have a lot more expectations of your partner for them to meet your needs. Right. And if you can't get them met, 
with them, then how are you going to get those needs met? So that leads to frustration, it to... Can, and and uh, ex failed expectations, failed right? Failed expectations, right? yes. You're putting a lot of pressure on your your primary partner, your only, your monogamous partner, right. to be everything you need them to be. In uh, open relationships, you don't have that pressure. You can actually enjoy the person for what they have to offer, and you don't have to worry about not getting your need met from them because if you really need that need to be met, you have other ways to potentially get that need met. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So what about the jealousies? So jealousies, <laughs> yes. Again, with that scarcity mentality okay. uh, versus an abundance mentality, and you sort of think about, okay, I know who I am. I know what I have to offer. I know the, the nature of my connection with this person. Uh, for example, with my now ex, she was seeing men that were very different than who I am mm -hmm. in terms of what their values were. And again, I think this is also partly why we're no longer married. <laughs> but what was, what was interesting for me is that the things that these men valued and, who, and their identity and who they were was not something I aspired to be. But it was something that she enjoyed because they were you know, good, you know, into childhood wounds or whatever. They were more similar to what she envisioned herself to be married to. Okay. Um, and so I was super happy for her. She could go and experience that with these other men, get those needs met, and then she could enjoy me for who I was. And in terms of jealousy, yes, that still confronts me with, okay, I'm not who she wants me to be. Right. Right? But then that is an opportunity for me to you know, ask myself, well, do I like who I am? Right? And so then I have to do that, that work. I have to take that whatever jealous feelings that I have ask myself, where do they come from? And what, what are they telling me? Wow. So you have to be very introspective, yeah. very self-aware, very open to examining your own strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, I have a question. <laughs> Again, Another let me question. make it clear. <laughs> I have so many questions. Yeah. This is so, it, just thank you yeah, so much for I all know. this information. This is so interesting. Um, the first question I want to ask is, I was thinking about this as I was getting ready to head over here, and I was like, how open are you with people in your life, like in your day-to-day -day about yeah. your, do, do, do people like in your work friend group understand what your lifestyle yeah. is like? Uh, no, I don't really have those conversations, nor do I expect that you're talking with your colleagues about your sex life. I mean, well, sometimes, kind but of. I'm, kind of, <laughs> okay. I'm kind of inappropriate. So, okay. I mean, we, we actually yeah. kind of do. But, do. But, but I, I get that you don't. My, I guess the reason I ask that question is I've, I've known, like I said, I knew, mm -hmm. knew another couple that was involved in this kitchen table, Polly, yeah. which I just learned that term, and I love it. And it's now a I great, like I, I know. know. It's but um, <laughs> when... One of the, I, I wonder if you ever get the perception when you do talk to people about this. Yeah. If anyone, if you feel like people are looking at you thinking, is he recruiting me? Is he like trying <laughs> sure. to recruit me? Have you, have you gotten that feeling from other people? Uh, yeah. So I would suggest like what I have experienced when I'm often having this conversation, uh, there's almost, you know, invariably there's a sort of like thought in the other person's mind, well, is he recruiting me kind of a thing? Right. right? Because there, there's sort of this assumption that I'm evangelizing. <laughs> exactly. Right? Okay, to yeah. be fair, you and I were yeah. texting the other day, uh -huh. and I don't know, I was kind of like putting some of these questions forward, and I did 
think like is he trying to convince me mm-hmm. because I'm not asking to be convinced but it right. is it and and I don't think yeah. you are but but I think if you're proud of of the way that you live <laughs> your life and you're just talking about it in a way that that it's exciting. That and comes out. Yeah. It could come across oh, as totally. I'm inviting you to participate, yeah. which some people might take as I'm recruiting right. you, right? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't feel that way, but, <laughs> but I just, I, I mean, th- I'm starting to think. It, no, it, it, but it just occurred to me this, this afternoon while I was getting ready to head down here. I was like, I wonder if people sometimes, because yeah, it is outside, I didn't, I don't know anything about it. So if someone started mm-hmm. talking to me about it and I could see going, wait a minute, Are you, but I, you know, obviously I don't think that, but I just yeah. wondered if you run into that. Yeah. I mean, I was a Mormon missionary, so I did evangelize at one point in my life. <laughs> Wait, but did you go on a, tr- did you go on your, what was mission. it, your mission? Mormon, Where'd you yes, go? I went to Germany. Oh, yeah. of course you did. Which I makes mean, sense because you yeah. have a, a degree in that, right? I do. Okay. Yes. And have I told you how hot German is? Oh my God. I love hearing German. <laughs> oh my gosh. Isn't oh, that like a fish called than... Wanda? Doesn't she have him speak German or is it Russian to her? I don't know. Oh, I think you're right. Doesn't yes. she it have like German? a whole? Yeah. There's a whole German I thing. Think like German like she's like, speak oh, German yes. to me. Yes. And I was like, really? You know what? Yes, because it's got this sense of authority. Yeah. And like, oh, and oh like, my God. Like, I don't care what you're saying. Just yeah. keep on saying it. I wouldn't say German is really? the language that would do that for me. No, it does for me. Like, people Spanish, talk about French maybe? and Italian. Uh, and I'm like, eh, no, it's just languages. But in Spanish, no way. <laughs> German, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> you digress. We digress, yes. Um, okay. Do I, I do have another question. <laughs> yeah. um, as a single parent who dates within mm-hmm. sort of the more monogamous construct, I know mm-hmm. what my challenges are. Mm-hmm. You have kids. Yeah. Oh. Talk to me Great about question. that. Like, mm-hmm. do you ever get close enough with people that you in- introduce them to your kids, and how do you handle that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so again, there's I think there's been an evolution for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that evolution too includes how other people may sort of respond to knowing that I you know, uh, am non-monogamous or, ha- or have been. And in terms of my kids, my kids have met people that I have gone on dates with and that I, or that I've had sort of you know, romantic relationship with. What is also, I think, maybe different for me uh, is that my relationships also don't necessarily fit into any kind of box. And so, these are people that I may have an ongoing romantic relationship or may not mm-hmm. because there's not really anything super defined about my connection with them other than we're friends and we have shared experiences together. So yes, my kids have met some of the women that I've dated. They've gone to like some of their, their parties okay. kind of thing where it's more of a family-friendly kind of event. So yeah. But do they, they don't know. They know that I've met them on dating apps. Okay. But they don't know that I'm... It, they, I don't think they would even know what non-monogamy is at this point. Do you think that as they get older, they might start to ask more questions? And how would you yeah. respond? I think, I think the statistics you were reading about, the younger generations yeah. being more open to it, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's yeah. definitely on the horizon. So do they meet... Do they have... Like, I, <laughs> I, I, it doesn't feel like there's any writer, you know, specific um, sort of cadence or or whatever for that but if you're dating multiple people at a time are they meeting more than one person within a short period of time or they typically it's one every so often it yeah it's it's one every so often and i mean i i don't know that this is much different than if i were monogamous in a sense too because i'm not really interested in introducing my kids to somebody at this point right uh anyway right it's not 
it's not super helpful, I think, to them. Right? No, I agree. Right. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I said this on the last you episode did. too, like just in any dating circumstance, as parents, I think we tend to be really careful about Absolutely. who we introduce to our kids yes. and what those conditions are and what the kids understand about right. what's happening. So right. um, I, I appreciate that. But I, I was thinking about that and I was like, well, at some point do you become more serious with one or one or more partner than others? <laughs> yeah. And it, because in a, in, in my dating experience, when that happens, that's when I do start to think about, do I introduce my kids to that person? Yeah. Well, so I have, I have somebody who I've known and seen, um, for over a year and she has a 14 year old son and she's very open with him. He's, he, he's very aware of, of her lifestyle that she identifies as non-monogamous, um, she has multiple partners. She has an anchor partner. She is also bisexual, and he knows all of this. Mm. Yeah. So anchor partner? That's yeah. what you call the, like the primary partner? Uh, it's, a, again, a, a slightly different term. It can mean different things to different okay. people, but okay. uh, an anchor partner would be kind of like a primary, but you may not necessarily be living with them. Okay. But, yeah, they're, they're sort of like a primary. You also have a nesting partner is another term. <laughs> is that someone you would live with? That would be someone you live with, yes. Wow, okay, okay. Um, so one thing that I've kind of noticed, like I've known a few people who were originally in monogamous relationships and then decided to try non-monogamy. Um, one couple was heterosexual, one couple was homosexual. Um, neither of them, look, what I, what I have experienced with that situation is similar to what you're saying mm -hmm. is that it was really really working for one partner mm -hmm. and maybe that partner was the one pushing the other partner into it yeah. which doesn't sound like your situation but like you were the one who was kind of you who were the driving the yeah the driving force and then she kind of went along with it um yeah. but then it sounds like she got something out of it as well mm -hmm. but then the relationships that I've known um it eventually it didn't work out mm -hmm. because right. And in both situations, like both partners that were kind of pushing the situation ended up leaving for other people, other people. Yeah. So what, I mean, I'm not asking for statistics, but like in general, what have you seen in the community as far as that situation? Like, do they, yeah. can they quote work out? Um, can you be in a monogamous relationship and try out the non-monogamy and then stay within that's that relationship? That's you know, well, no, that's yeah. because the people yeah. that I've known, that has not worked for them. Yeah, some people uh, say it's kind of like opening Pandora's box. Right. Right. So you, know, you see what's out there and... Yeah. Um, yeah. I think every, all of the above is does happen, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think... You know, monogamy and non-monogamy, it's no different in the sense in that each person is usually on their own growth path, right? Mm. And one way that I see non-monogamy is that it is a different growth path. And how any one person responds to that or chooses to engage with it is going to potentially be different. Um, in terms of, you know, what do you want to define as a, a successful relationship, too? I mean, look at the statistics on monogamy. Relationships, monogamous relationships are not lasting terribly 50 long. 50%, I believe it yeah. is, divorce rate, yeah. You know, and there's a certain duration, too. I mean, mm -hmm. what do you want to call a successful monogamous relationship? How long does it need to be? Well, and what, to, to that point, when you say what is a successful relationship, does simply duration make it successful? 
Absolutely no, no. not. Right? Exactly. Because I would say people no. stay together yeah. when they're miserable all the Absolutely. time. And then, yeah. yep. and then maybe someone is cheating, which is unethical, right. non-monogamy. And right? the whole till death so, do us part thing isn't, I, I don't know. Like, I think we were all raised with that fairy tale. Yeah. Like, you're going to find that one person that's going to complete you forever and ever, ever. And that's not real. Well, and maybe it's not that's realistic the, anymore. Maybe that's the thing that, that makes this such an individual thing is if each person goes into whatever their relationship mm-hmm. is or are and says what constitutes success for me right. and pursues that, then then there's I don't think there's a universal definition of success to to your point. Right. And so right. I just, yeah, maybe that's what it is. If we all go, yeah. like, okay, what do I need to feel right. successful within a relationship and then work toward that, whatever that is. Right. I was just curious if you've known any monogamous couples who then went the non-monogamous route and then stayed together as primary partners and were happy in that situation. I'm sure there are. Um, I don't know if I know any. And mm-hmm. to your question, too, the other factor that I would say, again, was revealed by your different the differences in... Um, generations and how you know, yeah. open they are. I think all of this is everybody's sort of evolving, right? In the sense that yeah. non-monogamous relationships are far more prevalent now than they used to be. And there's definitely going to be a sort of growth curve in that. Right. Because I think non-monogamy in some ways is, is, is often a reaction to monogamy not working for people. Right. So we're right. unlearning this sort of cultural norms and this is one way in which we're doing that. And, and we had talked, you asked me this really interesting question. He asked me, do you think that non-monogamy is that we're swinging to the other side of the pendulum or do you think it's just evolution? And I do, I do hundred percent believe in this idea of a pendulum, right? When something's been so far on one side for so long, it has to swing so far to the other side so they can come to the middle. I think that's, I, I I don't think that non-monogamy is a new thing. I think that people are recognizing it more. I think that they're coming to terms with it. I think that they are being more open about it. Do I think it's going to be the new norm? No. I think there are still people who will want to stay in monogamous relationships, but I do think that there will be more room for mm-hmm. alternate I agree styles of relationships. Yeah. I agree with you on so that. So in that way, I don't think it's necessarily an evolution. I think it's just more like, hey, Let's find what works for us. Just like you were saying, like ask what is the definition of success in this relationship? And that's, and, and be more open about it. Well, and I think that's the thing. I mean, when you look at anything in our society right now, You're we're right. more open about so many things and we're able, mental health being one of them. Yes. We talk Thank about goodness. that now in a way that we never did. We've shown a light on it by mm-hmm. just taking it out of the, 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 the stigma. dark corner yeah. and mm-hmm. just saying, this is actually yeah. a thing. <laughs> um, and there's, you know, I don't think we judge anyone unfairly who has a mental health disorder and I just I think this is something that similarly like if we stop stigmatizing it if we stop hiding it in the corner and just let it be whatever it is yeah I think that that makes sense and if we put a face to it because I feel like until I had had the experience with someone that I knew who was non-monogamous and I got involved in that I thought, oh, no, no, nobody that I know is doing this, right? Like, that's, like, it was almost like there was this fringe element out mm-hmm. there yeah. that are involved in this, but, mm-hmm. like, no one I know. And then, turns out, it was someone I knew <laughs> that I think was. That, that is eye-opening. When, you, when yeah. you, you find out that someone in your circle, that's how, you know, that's their lifestyle, I think you yeah. go, oh, oh. <laughs> who knew? 
Well, because you don't assume that you don't. It's right. not something that you just assume about anyone. And it's, well, and it's similar to like when you know if if someone has very strong, say, religious ideas about like, well, homosexuality is wrong, right? But then they actually find out, oh, well, my daughter is gay, or my nephew, or you know, someone that they love. Like, oh, okay, now there's a face to this. So I have to reframe my ideas. I have to reframe how I'm thinking about this thing that was just this kind of vague idea. And now there's a person attached to it. I also think because of just this conversation and the preparation that you and I did coming into it and that you have, you know, firsthand knowledge of it, Chad, I think that it's interesting because until I took a dive into it and my dive was shallow it wasn't I'm skimming the surface here but um if you we make assumptions based on right. the little nuggets that we hear but we don't pursue any sort of actual knowledge about it until we have a conversation like this right. or we have a reason to pursue it and I think it's really it's just fascinating like anything in life right like anything you you have to talk to someone and mm-hmm. actually try to figure like this is a this is a point of view that is so foreign to me but I'm going to talk to someone and ask them the questions. The questions that maybe I couldn't ask anyone else. And I'm going to find out about this. I mean, it's so important to do well, that. Well, and I also think, I, and I appreciate this conversation from this standpoint too, I think there is this idea that, oh my gosh, if I reveal that I don't know anything about this, then I seem like an insensitive person or a judgmental person or a whatever. Like, oh, because I'm acknowledging that I don't know anything about this, that means I'm... <laughs> unwoke in a way or whatever right (laughs) and so um, I've never thought that but no I can see where you're coming from (laughs) right just for all the reasons we've been talking about because it isn't mainstream and so I don't know I right now I think it might be it might well I mean or if it is if it is people don't talk about it and I think that's the point like we act like it's this deep dark secret because nobody's talking about it but at the same time if you don't feel safe to ask questions, like you and I are in a great situation with you, Chad, where we can talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone has that opportunity right. or feels comfortable talking openly and asking their stupid questions to someone who has more information than they do. And so stupid, I, I really value this conversation yeah, for that yeah, reason alone. For sure. I know. It's among like, the others. It, hmm. <laughs> no, that's why like when we had that walk mm-hmm. two years ago, it was so fascinating because the only people that I had known that had been in situations like that weren't necessarily, it didn't turn out positively. It right. wasn't a good thing. Right. Um, although, how do you define positive? Who knows? Maybe it was. Maybe it didn't turn out positively. I don't know. But maybe those relationships wouldn't have worked out well, anyway. And that, yeah, to your right. point, yeah. right? Those things had to come out at some point, right? It did. I mean, it's been hugely educational for me. I mean, I think of relationships as growth machines, and there's, you know, in some ways, there's no better growth <laughs> there's machine. There's no better growth than machine. Than non-monogamy, in the sense that you've got yeah. more balls to juggle. You've got other literally, <laughs> literally. <laughs> like literally, literally, yes, more absolutely. balls to juggle. More to juggle. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's awesome. I'm terrible at juggling. <laughs> I'm so not I a know, good juggler. I'm trying to imagine you in an ethical non-monogamous relationship. Oh God, the stress. <laughs> you need more reps. <laughs> yeah, what you, you need to get your reps in. That's right. <laughs> that's clearly in. it's yes. it's strictly a lack yeah. of oh exercise. Oh my um, Oh my goodness. Well, this is. Do you have other questions? Has this questions? been educational for you? I'm I'm so 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 grateful <laughs> for this conversation. And do you just letting us 
me in particular, be kind of a dork and just ask all these random questions because this has been fantastic. Fantastic. uh, Yeah. So, and and again, like I, we kind of touched on this, but it sounds like you are here right now in this stage and Mm -hmm. maybe you'll stay here and maybe you won't. Is that right? I mean, absolutely. It's fluid. It's evolving. Yes. And I think, it may continue to evolve, you know, for a while. Maybe I, I find a, a point where I don't want to evolve anymore. I mean, it depends on, I think, also who I interact with, right? Sure. You know, my needs are also evolving. My ability to take care of my own needs is mm-hmm. also evolving and changing. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I want in a partner is going to change too. I think that's that goes back to something we've talked about so many times on this mm. podcast, which is, I've been divorced for ten years, and. Just in that period of time, what I thought I wanted, what I thought I was mm-hmm. looking for has changed dramatically, slowly over the course of that period of time. Yeah. And so I would imagine it's no different for you on your journey. Absolutely. And so you, who knows where you end? Like I wouldn't have seen the changes that I have made in my mm-hmm. perceptions of what matters to me mm-hmm. now. So I can say, I, I could imagine that the same is true. Like, who knows? I don't know where I'm going from here. You don't know where you're going from here. I have no fucking idea. (laughs) But it's also really fun to not know because (laughs) you you were relieved of the burden of what it needs to be. And you open yourself up to all the possibilities that are out there. No, that's so true. I think I've never been someone who needs to know where I'm going. And I can't relate. Like, there are people who need to plan out every minute. And... The thing is, you know that phrase, like, you make plans and God laughs. I mean, oh, yeah. it's 100%. true, though. Yeah. Like, we can all say, okay, well, I'm going to be here in five years. I'm going to be doing this and whatever. And there goes my mic. <laughs> Dion <laughs> gestures with her hands a lot, and sometimes our microphones get in the way. <laughs> I feel like I should be Italian, and I'm not mm. at all, but I'm going to sit on my hands right now. Anyway, the point is, I agree with you. Like, I feel like if you, I mean, it's great to plan, and also it's great to be open to possibilities. Yeah. And just see what happens. So, I know you've listened to our podcast at least a little bit, but one mm-hmm. of the things that we do as we kind of wind up any conversation mm-hmm. is just kind of go around the table and hit our takeaways. So, Dan, I'm going to start with oh, you. Man, um, I feel like I just said it, but uh, you kind of. I mean, you did. Yeah, no. Certainly. I mean, in general, like, I, I feel like who I was growing up thinking I knew exactly where I was headed and where I was going and what I wanted obviously is completely different now. And I have a general sense of, of what I'm looking for, but really I'm just open to possibilities and I love hearing other people's points of view. I, I feel like relationships can be, relationships can come in so many different forms and I feel like it behooves us all to just be open and see what forms life presents to us and go with that. I gotcha. Okay. Takeaway for you, Chad? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I've been the one doing most of the talking. Let's see. In terms of, <laughs> Thank of your you. questions, um, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy talking about things. I mean, uh, your questions about how open I am with other people, um, that's been an evolution for me uh, in, in some ways and who I've told uh, in terms of family and stuff. And I, I think as this gets normalized, um, 
it makes it easier to be open about being open, mm-hmm. um, for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, I, the thing that I love about, I guess, also just talking with you guys on this is that, you know, polyamorous relationships, open relationships, there's so much in common with monogamous relationships too. You have the same issues, right? It's just kind oh, of great. amplified. Just yes. multiplied. Yeah. You just oh, have more man. people leaving a wet yeah. towel on the floor, right? Like. Well, it is, but in a good way, in the, in okay. the sense that, you know, the other thing is that, you know, if you experience something in more than one relationship, uh, you might be the common denominator, uh, right? Oh, for sure. And you can see that more easily <laughs> that in an open fr- relationship. <gasps> that Whoa. is an interesting... Oh, wow. Huh. So yeah. Jackie can not be vulnerable in many relationships. <laughs> I could be completely closed off in many open... Yeah, no, I don't think that's what I want. What, Sorry. what I'll say for my takeaway yeah. um, kind of goes back to the aha moment that I had, which is I think we all get to define what success in a relationship is for us and then proceed accordingly, right? Mm -hmm. Like whatever Mm -hmm. you need to do to achieve your own version of success. I like that. Whoever you need to do. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, I like that even better. (laughs) Your own version of success. Oh my gosh, this has been so great. Thank you so much for coming out, Chad. My pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. Like, really, really. Who knew two years ago that you were going to be a guest on the podcast? It's been a year at least. I feel like we've been talking about having this topic. Yes. Because we really, it was so important to us to find someone that we could talk with and because fairly and openly mm-hmm. and yeah. do you remember like I had met that girl that I worked with yes. and she was involved in that and so I was like oh she would be great and so we started talking about that and then she backed out because mm. she just didn't feel comfortable mm-hmm. so then we're like let's put that on the table and wait for the next it's person. literally been like the minute yeah. we find someone who was who's going to be a great guest uh, so it just I we can't so thank you enough good. this has welcome. been a really really fun it's and been educational for you and <laughs> enlightening conversation and just what I love about it is that it does shine a light on things that hopefully, you know, as people listen to this, mm-hmm. um, maybe it, it removes some stigma or, you know, for anyone who's considering or feeling drawn to a, mm-hmm. a ENM lifestyle, that maybe it removes an element of shame or fear around that. Yes, and that, I love that. Um, yeah. Hopefully that's, that's helpful to yeah, someone. I so. hope so too. Yeah. Well, awesome. thank you, Chad. It was a pleasure having yes, you. Yes, my and pleasure, too. And, um, thank you, hey, Jackie. Beatheads, did <laughs> you know? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I have to. No, it's okay. Go. So, first of all, we are, like, 20 downloads away from 20,000. Shut the front door. I know. Isn't that amazing? I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. We might have hit it while we've been here. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I mean, but, um, you know, as always, if if you could do just a little favor for your two favorite podcast hosts, and <laughs> that's Dion and me, in case you were thinking of anybody else. Um, if you could just like, share, rate, review, all those things mm-hmm. really do make a big difference. Tell your for friends us. about us. Share it on your <laughs> Facebook page or your Instagram or. By wherever. the way, who is your friend Michelle that keeps sharing? I'm very. Oh, Michelle. Yeah, Michelle Taylor. So cute. She shares our episodes, and I I love that. So thanks, Michelle. I don't know you, but I love you. Oh, she loves you, too. She (laughs) loves everybody. Michelle's the sweetest. Um, Anyway, so we appreciate all of you. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, but it will be the new year when we're back. So, And we have such a fun guest. I'm so stoked about our next guest. I know. I think we're kicking off the new year in such a great way. but With our favorite person. Hey, happy holidays from us to you. Oh, my gosh. Holidays.
Right. This is coming out right Damn. before the holidays. Yeah. So okay. happy holidays. Happy holidays. Um, hope you get to spend time with your loved ones in whatever way you celebrate. And we will see you in the new year. Get out. All right, guys. Bye. All right. Happy new year. Bye.